Hello and welcome everyone to We'll Be Right Back, the future of hospitality. On We'll Be Right Back, we interview people from every corner of the service and hospitality industry, as well as representatives from organizations providing relief and resources as we learn how to manage and settle into this new reality after COVID-19. I am your host, Greg Tilt. I am joined today by Lauren Darnell, the executive director of Mino, Made in New Orleans. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the show. Before we get underway, can you tell us a bit about you and Mino? Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to be here. Made in New Orleans Foundation is something that means so much to me and to so many. We support chefs of color through different programs, particularly being from New Orleans and of New Orleans. And we, we always say that we're made together through food, community, and mentorship. And our programs reflect that. How many people go through Mino? How large are your cohorts? How often are you doing them? What, what does a cycle kind of look like? Sure. Our main focus is a culinary scholarship program. So today, there are 17 alumni graduates of a culinary scholarship program. So these individuals applied and received, uh, you know, competed essentially, and were chosen to attend uh, culinary school outside of uh, New Orleans. So in uh, International Culinary Center in New York, which is the third top culinary school. And then we had a couple who attended the Culinary Academy in Colorado. And we also have two who were in New York completing their culinary certification when COVID happened. So in total, 19 people we have served and continue to serve and work with. That's incredible. And this is generally on a rolling basis, correct? It's not like a semester thing or a seasonal thing? Yes and no, right? So the program is nine months. So from applying, learning um, that you received it, they traveled to New York, and then nine months there, the program is six months, and then they complete an externship for the additional three months and then return home. And so that's a part of the program. And once they come back home, then we roll out a whole bunch of community outreach and really roll and dive into our community building. We're having the different chefs go out and cook for different community organizations and help just showcase and share their talent as well as tell their stories. Each person, each alumni, they're incredible, right? They're from New Orleans. Some started at Wild Ringery, not some, one person I'm thinking of specifically, but have started, you know, at very like humble beginnings, right? And and have continued and wanted to advance their career and learn and grow. The one step is the culinary scholarship, and then it's coming home and giving back to others. So you mentioned how COVID-19 obviously disrupted your alumni. Uh, they've been placed in different cities, different culinary programs, different mentorships of types. Tell us a bit about the weeks leading up to COVID-19, the shelter in place, and kind of how things look now. Yeah, New Orleans is special in that there's sort of a rhythm to when it's a good time to fundraise as a nonprofit. That you know, we have a very long festival season. We have Mardi Gras. We have the the holidays where end of year giving. So we we came off of end of year giving with a really strong event that that we did called Pass the Peas. It was a family style dinner, and we were really set to kind of roll into our new year. And we had kind of a pause with Mardi Gras as usual, because that's when the hospitality industry is the most busy, our busiest, as you can imagine. And we were working on different programs to start doing racial equity work in different restaurants. 
we were kind of March was our time to kind of get out and about and network. And so we were invited to speak or I was invited to speak at a Southern food conference about the future of New Orleans restaurants. We were hosting a panel with New Orleans Entrepreneur Week. We were really like gearing up to to roll out our mission to support and, and highlight the important work of chefs of color in this city and, and really increase visibility of our alumni as just as well as the importance of equity work in the industry. Yeah. And I imagine that a lot of these plans and even just these people who are in other cities is incredibly disruptive. Have any of them been able to get back or have they decided just to stay where they are? Yeah. So the kind of when everything sort of started to, um, it was becoming aware that, that this is, this is a thing and this is real. We had Kyle and Javante. So Kyle Wilson, Javante Smith, they were in uh, New York. They were literally had, I think, two days before they were taking their final exam to complete their level four. There's four levels they have to complete before they move to their externship. And so this is something like they've been there since August, building and working towards like this sort of culmination of this final test, which they're tested on timing, execution, and all of these things. And so Kyle automatically was like, look, I think I want to come home. And so he actually booked a flight and came home and he was only, there was two people on his entire flight from New York home to New Orleans. Javante, he's on a slightly different path. He was planning to stay in New York a little bit longer. And so he was like, look, I'm going to stick it out. So he is still there hanging, being safe, staying at home. But yeah, so that's, I mean, we were very worried because they live in a, a housing facility that we fundraise to cover the cost of, right? So we pay their housing costs every month. And so we are, you know, they're working with us, but we're still, you know, required to, to cover that cost, even though school is closed. So schools shut down, you know, right shortly after. Yeah. I mean, you talked a bit about this in our pre-call that it's already hard enough being a nonprofit, this challenge of getting people to participate, to donate and get involved. Now with COVID and the fact that the hospitality industry, the service industry is hit so uniquely and New Orleans is so dependent on that industry, uh, considering your nonprofit is related to that, I imagine it's presented a lot of very difficult challenges for y'all, especially as you're trying to help these people out, help them with their housing. Majorly. There's something like a, a figure of 90,000 or 92,000 people work in the hospitality industry down here. And so it's a major economic force, right? So everything's dependent on people coming here and, and having a great time here. And I think that wonderful experience that everyone has when they come here is built on the backs of a lot of people, a lot of hardworking, talented and dedicated, committed people. So, but they're also the least paid oftentimes and don't have access to a lot of things like healthcare and benefits and they're just at risk population. And so one, the concern, you know, is out of health, right? That they're actually people who work in the hospitality industry are the, are the most susceptible, like uh, interacting with lots of people, most susceptible to being, to getting sick. So that was the concern. So our first step was like, okay, let's check with our alumni, see how they're doing. Where are they? Have they been furloughed? Have they been like, how are they doing? And so that was our first step. And we, we checked in and everyone was kind of doing okay. Like everyone is in different stages in their career, different places. Some, you know, do catering. Some have, you know, full-time positions in a restaurant. Some others are chef instructors. There's a wide range, right? So once we, we kind of did a check-in, we felt, okay, what can we do? What's our next step? We support people, right? We invest in people. 
So it didn't make sense for us to really go out and start feeding others. Although it was counterintuitive, right? Because as a chef and most of the chefs we work with, you're designed and wired to go feed people. Like that's what your desire is. We just thought, we saw, okay, how can we be a resource? We're a very small team. We have a couple of consultant contractors and um, that help us with our accounting and, and marketing. And then, you know, it's myself as the executive director and an executive assistant. And we, we felt it best that we stay home and we kind of draw our focus online. So we decided to do an Instagram live series with our alumni and different people in the industry to talk to and say, hey, how are you doing? How are you coping through this time? And through that, we've been able to launch a COVID-19 assistance fund, which basically it means that we're asking for funds so that we can cover costs for groceries, that we can cover costs for these demos. We pay our chefs to do a demo uh, unless they want to donate their time and some have as well. So um, we just thought, okay, this is the, everyone's at home. And what's the best thing that we can do? So it's it's been really great for that. But yes, there's a lot of people in need. And we're starting to think now, how do we pivot to, to reach more and broaden our reach to more people, which we're really excited about. What I really like about your solution is you're kind of covering two different angles, right? On the one hand, you're asking, what can we do for our alumni? What can we do for the people that have gone through this program that are currently in this program? So you're doing this Instagram live series, you've mentioned the groceries and stuff like that. But you've also are asking, how can we help the community? How can we serve the community? And I just really like how this solution is storytelling and resources and instructional stuff using the folks who are already a part of your program. I think it's just really kind of a elegant solution. It's not even very complicated, right? You just kind of hit two birds with one stone on that one. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, I love this work. And I think what's so meaningful about it is that in one of our board members, who's a, a graduate, you know, she was the first scholarship recipient. She's now on our board. She said, look, people are always going to need to be fed. Like people are always going to want to eat. And so you have so many people who have these culinary skills, not to just feed like one person or 10 people, but to feed like hundreds of people. And it, it's really something else. And we were doing this in our programming before we had, you know, we we're sponsoring monthly dinners at a, at a boys town home, right? And so you have the a local person who trained to be a chef come in and talk to boys who've, who are dealing with a really tough time, and they get to talk about how to make an egg roll and like, how to, you know, how to take care of yourself and like the importance of cutting food and, and what do you look for when you're shopping for food. And so we had this sort of like baked into our programming. So we, when everything happened where it's like, okay, we have to be separate from each other. What can we do? How do we create and share this knowledge? Like we have, there's so many talented cooks and line cooks and chefs in New Orleans. Like our food is good for a reason, right? Like the people who are in the kitchen, like doing and putting all that, all that love and all that just skill into creating these beautiful, amazing, taste rich dishes. It doesn't come from nowhere, right? It comes from our culture. And so, you know, made in New Orleans, we really are focusing on how do we celebrate the hands that that create the food and, and how do we, you know, do our part, because a lot of people are, are feeding, are feeding people and doing what they need to do. And even this is so great, too. Two of our alumni, Chris O'Corey and, and Chef Byron Bradley, Chef Chris O'Corey, they got together and they decided to launch a community feed, right? So they are at a community center here and they're feeding people Mondays 
on Wednesdays and Fridays, right? So they're using their own resources to do that. And we're like, cool, we'll help promote and share and make sure that people know that this is happening. So I'm just so proud of the people here in New Orleans, but particularly the chefs and cooks and hospitality people, like they're, they really are made of gold and New Orleans runs on people. So they're in, they've been particularly hit the hardest, right? So I'm kind of curious what you think is going to be the new normal, not just for Mino, but for nonprofits in the hospitality industry. You can kind of tackle that answer however you want. I know it's kind of a broad question, but where do you think we're going from here? Look, you know, I pride myself on studying a problem before I sort of throw out a solution to it, right? And so I was really having these conversations and I'm always visioning about what could the future look like for New Orleans? What could it look like for chefs of color? What could it look like for people of color in the hospitality industry? And I think that the biggest thing that that comes through is that, you know, it's not going to look like it was before. And part of that is just accepting, right? Is accepting that I believe and that, you know, sort of this white tablecloth idea is gone, right? This and there's research to support this as well, right? It's just other models in other countries that this sort of fine dining, at least it's going to be gone for a while, right? So a lot of restaurants are struggling and the, it makes perfect sense. A lot of businesses are struggling. I just think that what makes people in New Orleans and particularly people of color, there's an entrepreneurship aspect that is sort of informal, right? It's adapting. The chefs I know here and the alumni, they're very adaptable. Like they adapt and they're resilient and they pivot in a way where it's curbside delivery or it's catering or it's creating a, a family meal and selling that and their ways to spread the word and how you share that. It's, I just think that there's, it's going to be more collaboration. So let's say a local farmer, a local producer has a box of vegetables in purchasing that to help keep the supply chain going. And then it's going to be curbside delivery and curbside pickup and maybe shared commissary kitchen spaces where chefs are working together to, to work out of one kitchen, working out of community centers to, to get meals out, to give back as well as to actually sell, right? So I think it's going to be a very nimble <laughs> it's going to just look really different. I think people are going to want to be around other people, but it's just going to look way different. And I think that you're going to really thrive if, if you can adapt and, and pivot and um, find, you know, containers that people feel comfortable with, right? Because you want to be safe. So takeaway containers that are nice and easy to use and people feel comfortable with it. Those are just some of the ideas. I don't know if that answers your question. No, it does. And I guess the other part of it was, what about not your status as a nonprofit and other nonprofits. Yeah. Do you think 501c3s are going to have to operate differently moving forward? I think definitely. I mean, you know, most of the nonprofits here and I know and us included, we make our money from events, right? So we have major events and we get to showcase what we've been doing all year and toast each other and talk to people and see and connect. And so the fact that that's not going to really, you know, 200, 300, people in a room isn't really going to work. So nonprofits are definitely going to be impacted. For us, you know, we're I'm really excited about what we're going to pivot towards. It's not what our programming was before, but it's still the the center of our mission to support chefs of color and people of color in the hospitality industry and we're we're working on just to broaden the reach. So I think people are going to get real creative. They're going to, you know, we we have some ideas on how to do smaller 
smaller events that are more intimate, I think it's just going to, some nonprofits won't make it. And we're hoping that we're not one of them. It's going to be trying times. And, but I think through collaboration, I think a lot of things, a lot will be born and a lot will not be here as well. So that's, that's my two cents or my four or five cents on, on that. No, I love it. I mean, that's exactly the kind of questions we're having though. And I really do appreciate your perspective on this. So people listening to this are obviously getting a lot of great lessons about running a nonprofit, about a very unique perspective you have on the hospitality industry, because you're not coming at it from an owner operator of a restaurant or a bar. You're coming at it from someone who essentially is training the future of the kitchen and the future of these spaces, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. what would be the number one thing you want us to take away from your experience? Wow, good question. I think that there are always more than one story to tell. And when sometimes when we see what's covered in the media of particular restaurant owners or the faces that we see aren't always all the faces that are affected and impacted. And I think that's really important. There are a lot more people and a lot more stories to be told. I mean, even even our current scholarship recipient who flew home, right? He's flying home to take care of his mother who's affected by COVID. And then in turn, he got COVID. And it's he's, a, he's just another person <laughs> who is from New Orleans, born and raised, and you don't see his face or people, his people like him on the news. And so it's, it's not that it's not that one thing is better than the other. That's not my point. It just means that there's always more stories to be told. And there's always stories that somehow are silent and that people aren't hearing. So in my experience, walking into a restaurant, and I would look inside the kitchen, and the kitchen is all one particular color and the rest of the restaurant isn't, it made me think like, wow, it's important to hear all sides of a story. And it's not just one, one thing. Right. So I think that that would be my biggest thing is to ask questions and and wonder whose story isn't being told and who, who isn't being included. Well, that's a pretty powerful note to end on. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. I I love your passion. I think you're asking the right questions. We've covered everything you like. I would love to get those shameless plugs. Where can we find you? Where can we find Mino? Where can we support you? Please do. So we're, um, if you go to minnowfoundation.org slash donate, you can donate there. You can specify for the COVID-19 assistance fund or can go to our general programming, but that's where you can donate. You can also find us on our Instagram page, which is at M-I-N-O underscore New Orleans, where we are doing Instagram live. And yeah, we absolutely please share if you love New Orleans, invest in its people. And we definitely are, are invested in and what will be for New Orleans. And yeah, it's I'm thank you so much for inviting um, us to do this. And I'm inspired. And it's, it's great to be able to share our story today. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Lauren. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate your insight. And we really hope to have you on again under better circumstances. Yes, true that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. And you take care. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for listening to We'll Be Right Back, the future of hospitality. Each episode, we will be highlighting a different organization contributing to the relief effort here in New Orleans. This episode, we would like to highlight Chef's Brigade. Chef's Brigade is a collection of New Orleans restaurants, chefs, and servers feeding healthcare workers and first responders while financially supporting our independent restaurants, culinary talent, and service industry. To contribute to the cause and learn about this amazing initiative, head to chefsbrigadenola.org. We have a link in the show notes. Again, that's chefsbrigadenola.org. We'll Be Right Back is produced by me, Greg Tilton. My co-producers are Barry Schwartz of My House Events and Elizabeth Tilton of Oyster Sunday. Barry and Elizabeth are offering incredible resources and services during this time through their New Orleans-based businesses, as well as collecting and sharing various initiatives by other individuals and organizations. All of these are linked in the show description, so please make sure to check them out. You can follow us on Twitter for the latest updates and to let us know what's up, at RightBackNola. Please also consider leaving a review for us on whatever podcast platform you fancy. It helps us know what you think, and it helps people find the show. Our cover art was created by Eugenie McClellan. Our show's music was produced by Sarisu. We have links to their work in the show notes, so give them some love. 